Coming to you from the southwestern corner of Manitoba, sharing fresh perspectives from real educators. Tune in as teachers relate their stories of professional learning, classroom practice, and the challenges they've overcome to teach like a boss. Welcome to the second episode of Teach Like a Boss, the podcast recorded by teachers for teachers. My name is Devin Caldwell. I'm one of the chairs of the Fort LaBosse Professional Development Committee, and I'm delighted to be here today with two of my dearest teacher friends who have since retired from the profession. So I'd like to extend a big welcome to Laura Wright and Lori Gregg. Thank you so much for being here with me today. It's my pleasure. We would like to begin by getting these two ladies to introduce themselves. Um, I know them well, but probably not all of our listeners do. So if you girls wouldn't mind sharing a little bit of your backgrounds, what brought you to the teaching profession and where you are now, that would be a perfect way to start. Lori, would you like to begin? Sure. I um, always knew I wanted to be a teacher from the time I was very young. And so pursuing that uh, career was not probably a surprise to anyone. I have always had a passion for learning and a love of children. So together, they made a great career choice for me. I have taught um, probably all of my teaching uh, life in um, Southwest Manitoba and uh, enjoyed each of the teaching experiences, different schools, for different reasons. Um, I, I learned a lot from the people that I taught with and appreciated that uh, there were so many teachers with more experience than me that were willing to share their ideas. And so I retired in June and I always knew I wanted to leave while I still loved it. And uh, I think I think it was about the right time because I I do really miss the children, but I think it was time to move on and and experience new things. Now, Lori, when I first met you, you were at Reston Elementary teaching grade five, six, grade six, or a combination of the two. Was the bulk of your experience in middle years? No, I I was an early years teacher. In fact, I even did some nursery school teaching um, when I was having trouble finding a job. And um, I often woke up and wondered how I ended up in middle years, <laughs> um, but I ended up really loving middle years, and I'm glad I made that switch. Um, it it was a really fun teaching experience to end up in middle years. I, I missed the little kids, but I loved the energy, enthusiasm, and independence of the middle year students. Okay, Laura, you also, I think, spent a large portion of your career in middle years. Why don't you tell us what brought you to the teaching profession and and your experiences in education? Kind of like Lori, I think as a little girl, I spent a lot of time with the dollies, (laughs) teaching them things, and then um, went to university, was a French major, thought about doing translation, but realized that I'm a prairie girl and I didn't want to go to Ottawa and I didn't want to work in that high pressure kind of a job. So I became a teacher and I spent eight years teaching high school French and then, like Lori, 
became a middle years teacher. After my son was born, I moved communities and became a middle years teacher. And again, like Lori, couldn't believe these kids, old enough to be independent, but young enough to be interested and excited and still kind of like their teacher. I was going to say, and still think their teacher is cool. Yes. <laughs> And think their teacher knows something. Yes. That's oh, so that's right. not yes. just a kindergarten thing. <laughs> no, it's no. not just a kindergarten no. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have been retired. I retired in 2012. So I'm into year eight of retirement. Like Lori, knew it was time and never regretted a minute of it. Not sitting back eating bonbons and looking after grandchildren because I have no grandchildren. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but still very much involved with young people because I'm involved in the high school musicals here in town and love to work with those kids. And, and so that's, I, that's one of the things I'm discovering is there's other ways to still be using our skills and yes. still getting filled up by the time we spend with young people. It's just a new experience. It's just a new experience. And as yeah. I said to you girls earlier, working with Christmas cheer and, and the little ones coming in and helping wrap gifts and <laughs> you just fall right back into teacher mode. Well, mm -hmm. let me show you how to do that. Yeah. Let's talk about how we're going to do that. <laughs> so yeah, it, mm -hmm. it's been good. It was all good. But I taught for, what, 32 years and decided in 2012 at age 55 that yeah, it's time to go. There's some there's other some, things on the horizon. And there's some young people out there who mm -hmm. have lots of great ideas. Well, and because of that wealth of experience between the two of you and great insight that you have now, maybe with a foot kind of outside the teaching profession, I really wanted to bring the two of you together for this episode, which I've been titling kind of in my head, <laughs> Retired Teachers. Um, what they know now that they wish they knew then. Um, <laughs> so I'm really hoping you'll share some of those insights with us today. The focus of this podcast, of course, is professional learning. So I'd like to ask you both, what were some of the most impactful professional learning experiences that you feel really shaped your teaching practice and, and your identity as a teacher over the years? Well, through almost all of my career, I was a real PD junkie. I couldn't get enough. PD. I really, really enjoyed the experiences uh, that I went to. And I often set the bar pretty low. I thought if I learn one new thing to take back to my classroom, that's enough. And But was most often I walked away impressed and with a wealth of knowledge. I well, spent, and even if the presenter didn't impart something new to right, you. Right, maybe somebody at the table yeah. that you... Mm -hmm. Yes, because all the years I spent on the PD committee in Fort LaBosse and sharing it and, and going to provincial meetings, I think the most valuable PD is teachers talking to teachers. Oh, you know, absolutely. We, we used to have those posters with I was just thinking of the posters, yeah. Across there. And, and I didn't appreciate what that meant as a young teacher but as I got older I realized the value behind that and even if it's not getting really good ideas from the teacher across the hall or or from the other side of the school 
it's an opportunity to discuss something and they can put a different perspective on it. So I do think Teachers Talking to Teachers is still the best PD out there. Because it makes you realize you're not an island unto yourself. Right. Okay, that person in Turtle Mountain School Division has the same problems that I mm-hmm. do. They're facing the same issues. That person in St. James Assiniboia, yeah, we're we're all seeing the same things. But, I mean, you still have to grow. Mm-hmm. So, the three of us with our Microsoft learning experiences and then with the literacy with ICT, we learned... It was a huge opportunity to grow. It was a grow. huge opportunity to grow. And that's one of the things I would say to new teachers is don't pass up any opportunity. Yes. Um, I know that um, I was standing, you know, at the end of the lane of the school with my hand up saying, take me, I'll go on that committee. And you two were sought out because of your great skill. I had no (laughs) skill. I swear I didn't at that point. And and I think think my principal conscripted me because he 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 saw that I needed to, I needed a (laughs) kick in the backside to well, whatever was behind the three of us ending up together, it worked. Yeah. Because we all came from different stages in our career, different places in our schools, sometimes different viewpoints, and we were given the opportunity to work out some really important stuff for the whole division but over and over again. We mm-hmm. didn't just go to a, a one-time PD, yes. bang, yeah. it's over, we're done, we never talk to each other again. Yeah. We repeatedly, and we always said, no matter how good the PD was, the drive home in the car was the best part. Yes. And of course, the three of us weren't anything without Howard uh, Griffith being oh, for sure the, the lead. Mm-hmm. I think he had more faith in us than we certainly did in ourselves. Absolutely. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. But it was so great to have you, Devin, because you had a young brain. And you (laughs) caught things quickly. And then we would be going home in the car, and there you would be on your computer doing... Typing up our ideas. Okay, (laughs) next time, the next time we meet, let's do this. And away we go. And and Right, because we often had to plan PD to deliver once we got home. Yes. And we didn't have to meet again because we had that four-hour car ride. Yeah. And we got it done, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. was definitely, Mm -hmm. you know, when three heads were better than one or four heads. Yeah. Well, and I think just that time for reflection. Um, Like, just with my graduate students right now, we've been really focusing on experiential learning. And we've been talking about how it's not truly experiential learning unless there's time for reflection and application. And I think so often professional learning just stops at the learning. And it's hard to work in those opportunities to truly reflect and then figure out how you're going to apply it. But in our partnership, we we had to take the time to reflect on it and figure out how we'd share it with Fort LaBosse teachers. So maybe that's one of the reasons it, it was so... And we were kind of worthwhile for all forced to do it mm-hmm. because we had that responsibility. We had that accountability. But just as for you say, PD. you go to some fantastic PD session and you come out and you think, oh, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this. And then you walk back into your classroom Monday morning and you think, where do I even start? Where does this fit? And life How? takes over. And, 
And you don't, you lose that enthusiasm and excitement. Whereas when you attend PD with somebody else, you can help motivate each other and keep that excitement mm-hmm. living mm-hmm. past the PD day. Yeah. I, if I was an employer of teachers, I would always send more than one person to a PD so that they have that opportunity for reflection. It's like everything. Two sets of ears, two sets yeah. of eyes are way better mm-hmm. than one. I agree. No matter what it is. At our stage of life, traveling with a loved one to a doctor's appointment, mm-hmm. you need to have that other person there to, to hear listen, what you don't. To, yeah. to hear what you don't. I think that collaboration is so key too. Like, um, I think one of the best parts of our collaboration was like, I might try something in grade one and two because mm-hmm. I taught grade one and two then. And you girls would be like, oh, if it works in grade one and two, we certainly can try mm-hmm. it out in grades five and six. That's mm-hmm. right. And whereas I would take your ideas and think, well, okay, how can I scale this to early, mm-hmm. early years? So in case anyone isn't following, I guess I should explain, we're, we're talking about the literacy with ICT implementation, as well as the training we received with um, the Microsoft Peer Coaching Program. Yes. Yeah. Literacy, even even though literacy with ICT went through a few... Reincarnations. Reincarnations, <laughs> even in our time mm-hmm. with it. Um, it. It ended up being called something totally different mm-hmm. by the time we were finished with it, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't it TFS when we started? Technology as a foundation skill, and yeah. then it morphed into literacy with ICT, and I think in 2016, they refreshed the original work that we had done on the continuum. Is that a fact? Yes. And most other school divisions sent one teacher yes. with their um, tech Consultant, consultant, or, and we were a rare so commodity. Our, divi- our division which, was very forward-thinking. In, well, in, uh, I think all respect. that credit goes to Howard. Yes, because that's what he was thinking. He wanted a team, mm-hmm. and he wanted it to be teachers sharing with the the other teachers when we came back. He didn't want it to be him mm-hmm. because he thought it would be uh, an easier sell. Mm-hmm. And that was hugely impactful. Like I know I shared in the first episode when we were talking about what were our kind of most important professional learning experiences, literacy with ICT was a huge one for mm-hmm. me. Are there any other professional learning experiences that really stand out to you over the course of your career? For me, the, the most beneficial PD that I still can't believe I got to be a part of was when Faye Brownlee came to my classroom. And so I had always been a Faye Brownlee groupie and read her books and, and loved a lot of her ideas. But when she came and actually taught in my classroom with my students and I was able to observe her putting her ideas into action, it was invaluable. It was great. And she's so down to earth and it was, it was such... A unique opportunity and then I traveled to other people's classrooms to watch her do the same thing which was equally as valuable but uh, just really a rare opportunity when it was my own students when it, when it was your own class yeah and that I think that's the PD that made the biggest change in the way I taught ELA well that's a really unique opportunity like 
how often do we get an actual situated learning experience? Like someone is in your classroom, you're learning in your own environment where you usually do the the bulk of your professional practice. Like that doesn't happen that often. Yeah. And that was thanks to Holly Forsythe. That was, that was her dream to bring Faye right into our classrooms. And, and it was well worth it from my perspective. And then very similar to that, the other thing was when Brad Hayward was our numeracy coordinator and he came and taught in my classroom and I got to observe the way he was doing things differently in math and that also had the biggest impact on me changing the way I did things. Lori, I think what you're describing is something that is, I think obviously um, makes a huge difference to how we teach and how we learn about teaching, but I think for some teachers that's really intimidating to let someone else into their classroom. Like, um, hugely. There were many people that said to me, I'm glad it's you doing it. I would never uh, let them in. And uh, I, I was so surprised by that. But I think that's a typical reaction. I think it's, it's a, a maturity thing. It's a confidence thing. Mm-hmm. Um, It's also that attitude that I'm a lifelong learner, Mm -hmm. that I still have so much to learn. So I want to embrace every opportunity I can. Whereas if you think, I've taught now for 25 years, so I I think I'm good. I think I know it all. You know, that's when you get stale. I I think if you believe that there's something to learn always, then that makes you a better teacher. Oh, for sure. Being in that constant state of renewal mm-hmm. and modeling for your students that you can always learn something. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Laura, what about for you? Were there any other professional learning experiences that really stand out for you? We have to remember, I'm a senior now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard for me to think about um, PD because I have taught in two languages. Mm -hmm. throughout my career so for the first eight to ten years of my teaching career most of my PD was in in a different language and so coming to middle years and then having all of this world open up to me um, some of the best PD I, I think I would say would be when I would get to go and see um, young people's authors mm. and and have them read their works and talk about their work and then have them come to our school and work with the students and get those kids excited about reading and about writing. Mm-hmm. That was probably some of the best mm-hmm. that I would would say. Now, I also seem to recall a road trip to Medicine Hat, Alberta, where the three of us attended, I think it was Bow Valley, it was. some kind of technology conference. Oh, I wouldn't remember what it was called. I think you were the one, Devin, who found it and said, oh, let's go to this. And, and everybody said, what are you people doing here? <laughs> yeah, I yes. think we were the only not yeah. from Alberta teachers yes. there. Yes, yes. But it it was really valuable at oh, the time it was. when we I think were, I still have my notes from that. Yeah, mm-hmm. when we were trying to convince people of the idea of infusing technology 
integrating technology mm-hmm. into their classroom, going there and learning about a, a vast array of of choices of, of technology that could be used in the classroom was extremely helpful, I think. I don't think we went to a bad session. No. I don't think so. And we didn't... No, we, it was... In fact, we... It was a hard go. decision to make, but we decided to not go together. Yeah. We, we all went to, to different sessions. Different yeah. Sessions. Yes. <laughs> For the sake of the PD, wasn't that good of us? Mm. It was. <laughs> selfless. <laughs> Very selfless. Serious commitment. All right. Um, as we bring our podcast to a close, I always like to end with kind of just that that takeaway for classroom teachers. So if there's any advice that you could give practicing teachers now, now that you um, have the benefit of experience and maybe a little bit of distance from the profession, what is what are some parting words for our teachers who are listening right now? What would you like to know at the start of your career that you wish you could tell yourself? Don't take yourself so seriously. <laughs> Roll with the punches. That teachers talking to teachers is yeah. is valuable PD, and I don't think that young teachers realize that 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 that's professional development all in itself. And so pursue it, look for it, make time for it. Um, the one thing that I wished I'd appreciated early on in my career um, that I finally did in the last ten years, and maybe it's only because I had more time for it in the last ten years. But I didn't do a lot of professional reading, and I think there's some really good books out there that can really help you change your thinking. So I recommend doing some more professional reading. Well, and if you don't have time to read professionally, I do know of a good podcast you can listen to. (laughs) Great plug. Well, and if it isn't always the most riveting professional literature, it makes a great Saturday of a bedtime. (laughs) (laughs) I think back to when I was first teaching in 1980, and I was in a K-12 school, and I was by far the youngest member of the staff. And there were two lovely, lovely ladies, Mrs. Bowles, who taught grade four, Mm -hmm. and Mrs. Russell, who taught grade five. And they maybe didn't give me a lot of professional help in in doing my job, but they certainly grounded me. That's good. Stay home if you're sick. Don't try to make everybody happy. And... I think back to that time and I think ahead and and sometimes for young teachers it may be the professional help is wonderful but sometimes it's just let yourself be yourself yeah and you know in the last years of my teaching I felt less valued being an older teacher I'm finding that now as a retired teacher. I think that's so sad because for me, the best staff is one with balance. Younger teachers, older teachers, middle career teachers. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important and that, that each group has something to offer. And so to not value experience is a mistake. Absolutely. Even if it's something as simple as what you described grounding those younger yeah. teachers and building their confidence yeah. up. Yeah. 
And I have actually found in the last few years, um, young teachers with whom I've had contact, mm -hmm. not in, in a professional way, but just because of my age, I'm just, yeah. like, you don't really have anything yeah, that don't. would apply to my life. Right. You don't and really know what's going on. You don't know what's going on, and, mm -hmm. and that's tough. That mm -hmm. is a very bitter pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. I think that's a societal issue, probably. But perhaps. But I think I think in my past experiences, kind of personalities that that uh, didn't appreciate the value of experience, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's too bad. Well, and kids are still kids, and people are still people, even though the times change, mm -hmm. and there's a wealth of experience that we need to take advantage of. Well, that's right. That's right. And, and yeah, you can't discredit anybody for because they are who they are. Everybody has something to offer. So speaking of something to offer, Devin, Laura, and I did not think we had anything to offer any podcast with you, but it's certainly been enjoyable just having this discussion. Oh, so yeah. thank you for and there, inviting us. There are so many great takeaways. Like just just to summarize, like what I'm hearing and what I experienced with both of you in our years of working together is like find your teacher tribe, mm -hmm. find your colleagues that are there to support you and lift you up so that you yes. can lean on them and learn from them and learn together. Mm -hmm. And and you might be surprised who your teacher tribe is. Mm -hmm. It yes. may be somebody that you would never mm -hmm. have thought you would ever work with. I remember you, Devin, mm -hmm. as a young teacher, we'd go to PD things and there was this beautiful young woman, woman always so impeccably dressed, beautiful. Well, we're not jewelry. editing this part out. <laughs> and and um, I thought, who is this girl? Yes. And then I found out you were from Canton, Manitoba, and I thought, who is this girl? Surprise. <laughs> and then when we started to work together, and I thought... You had lots in common. We, yeah. we, well, we did have the odd thing in common, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being a part of this second episode of our podcast. Thank you to both of you for being part of my teacher tribe and continuing <laughs> to be part of my teacher tribe. I've learned so much from you and with you, and I'm so happy to continue to do that. Right as, back at you. As oh, you're exploring your it, new roles as retired <laughs> teachers. Oh, it's been just so fun. Just such a fun time. Thank you, Devin. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Any of the resources or information mentioned in this podcast can be found in this episode's show notes, available at www.flbsd.mb.ca forward slash podcast. Join us next time as real teachers continue to share their journeys and inspire you to teach like a boss.